This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. For by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It does endure forever. Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you have said to us. And Father, we pray, Lord, that your your word would do its work in us in producing faith, in producing the love that we are to have towards one another. Father, we pray, Lord, that uh, we would hear and embrace your word, and I pray that you would give me strength and grace as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter here uh, in, in this book has been speaking to a persecuted church. He's speaking to a church that lives in the midst of a hostile society, a society that is hostile towards believers. And we can relate to that. Our society today is hostile to God's Word. Our society today is hostile to believers. And, and how are we to make it in a, lot, in a world where the world is hostile to us? Uh, the... Peter here has told us in the book of 1 Peter already that we're to live as strangers and aliens. We remember that our our citizenship is, is primarily in heaven. We have a citizenship in heaven and we look forward to that day when our king comes... And we live um, now in this time between the times where we live in the midst of hostility. We live as strangers and aliens, but we live under the rules of our king who's one day coming and he's going to set everything right. Amen? He's going to set everything right. But in the midst of this time, whenever we live in this hostile world, how are we going to get by? How are we going to be able to hold? Then one of the things we've got to do is we've got to love one another. If we're, if we're not loving one another, how, how do we make it in this world? We've got to have each other. You know, it, it's hard to, to try to be a Christian, try to, try to live a Christian life. It's impossible to try to live the Christian life disconnected and away from believers. We've got to be together to love one another, to serve one another, to take care of one another's needs, to bear one another's burdens. And so here, Peter says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. There's something that comes prior to the command. He says, having purified your souls for a, uh, your obe- by your obedience to the truth for a sincere lovely, brotherly love, love one another. The command that's coming that we haven't gotten to yet, the command is love one another. 
But there's something that's prior to that. Having purified your souls. This isn't new to 1 Peter. In the first chapter, in the first verses, um, I shared this with you a couple of sermons ago whenever I was here. Peter had been writing, he says, to those who are the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. We've been sprinkled with his blood. He has washed us clean from our sins. We were once sinners. And He's purified us by His work upon the cross. By the fact that He shed His blood for us. So because of what He has done, we have purified our souls by obedience to the truth. Now what does it mean to obey the truth? You know, we think of obedience as in obeying a command, right? But here Peter is talking about obedience to the truth by believing it. We obey the truth by believing the gospel. He has, uh, Jesus has come. He, he is the Savior. He is the Son of God. He came. He lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. And we have been forgiven because of what he did on the cross. So, having, been, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, by believing the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Why did God save us? It was for a sincere brotherly love. Why did he cleanse us from our sins? Why did he, as verse verse 3 says, caused us to be born again? Why did he do all this in Christ? He's done so, so that we would have a sincere brotherly love for one another. One of the purposes... Of the cross, one of the purposes of what God was doing when he sent Jesus was to, this is how I'm going to put it, create a community of his children who would love one another. He saved us so that we would love one another. Does that make sense? So having having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly. He finally gets to the command there. So the truth that Peter is proclaiming here is if you're a believer in Jesus, if you've trusted in him, if you've been born again, your soul has been purified. You have been cleansed from your sins. You have uh, believed in the gospel. uh, and, And he's done this so that you would love one another on the basis of the fact that he's done this so that you would love one another. Then we've got to do it. It's one of those passages that teaches the idea of be who you already are, basically. He has saved us so that we would love one another, so do it. Does that make sense? Um, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We, We need to love one another earnestly, truly, sincerely, not with hypocrisy. Right? And, 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 and we maybe have experienced in some other places, I'm not going to say anything about here, in some other places, maybe you've walked into a church someplace where people were all talking about how great a loving church they are, 
But when you're with somebody alone, you hear them gossiping about so-and-so. Or maybe you walk into a place and it's just, you can feel the tension like a knife, like you can cut it with a knife because it's so thick. You can, you, they, they can talk about how loving they are, but then they really don't love one another. Peter here is talking about having a true, sincere love for one another. Not just putting on a face. We can do that. Sometimes we can put on a face and we can try to act like we love one another. But Jesus wants us to do it. And Peter's commanding us here to do to love one another sincerely, earnestly, truly love one another. From a pure heart. You know, he's, he's purified our souls. Right? That, there's, that's connected here. Since He's purified our souls, then we ought to, with that pure heart, love one another. Not with hypocrisy, not with ill motives, but to love one another with a pure heart. Now again, He gives us a reason. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Why ought we to love one another? Because we've been born again. Verse 3 told us, God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Lord, uh, and Savior Jesus Christ, because He has caused us to be born again. If you believe in Jesus, if you have trusted in Him, if He has saved you, then you've been born again, and because of that new birth, you are God's child You have been adopted into his family. And that new birth, that change that's taken place in you ought to cause you to love one another, to love each other. Now, I've been passing over something. What is uh, is it that I'm passing over? Jesus here was saying to in John, the passage that I read earlier, men will know that you're my disciples for your love for one another, right? He's talking to believers, Now, Jesus commanded us in the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemies, right? Love your enemies. And we are to love our neighbor as well. We know we're to love our neighbor, we're to love our enemies, but this is a different kind of love. Our love for one another is is to love fellow believers. You follow me here? Our love for one another, when he commands us, this new commandment is that we love our fellow believers. We have a relationship with one another. Hey, we're brothers and sisters. We've been born again into a new family. He says here, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. And what's he talking about here? This perishable seed versus imperishable seed. Perishable seed, of course, uh, uh, when, I was, when I've been here in the past, I talked about perishable, you know, uh, the, the future inheritance that we have, uh, it, it, it's, it's imperishable, it's undefiled. Things that are perishable, and I, I, I talked about it before, if you, if you were here, like a, like a nice juicy peach that you, you loved to just bite into that peach and experience the wonderful sweet flavor in your mouth, that juicy, nice peach, but then if it, if it sits on the counter for too long, it gets kind of sour smelling and it's just not as good and it's perishable, right? Those, the things in this world are perishable. 
And when he's talking about perishable seed, he's talking about biological descent here. Our biological descent is perishable. Our bodies are perishable. We live in this life. We've got so many years. The Bible says 70 years or 80 if by strength. Our lives are like grass. They're perishable. But there's something else that's imperishable. And that is the word of God is imperishable. Now, when I say biological descent, I'm saying here, we've been born again. Our new birth is not by biological descent. Okay. David over here, David File, is my cousin. My dad's first cousin. Okay. We are biologically related. Okay. Our new birth is that imperishable seed. So if you've been born again, then you and I are kin. I'm not just related to David over here. If you've been born again, and I've been born again, we're kin. We're brothers. We're, si- we're brothers and sisters. That has, he has created a new family that is more enduring than our biological relationships. That means our brothers and sisters in Africa, in Asia, in the hood, are, are closer kin to us, are, are, have more enduring relationships to us than our biological relationships. And we ought to love one another. You know, the old saying says, blood is thicker than water, right? You've heard the saying? And uh, this may just be original to me because when I looked it up, uh, it didn't have this kind of explanation. But when I think blood is thicker than water, I think so many times and in so many places, kinship, family kinship can trump um, our relationship in the church. Right? We got churches sometimes that everybody's related. And if you're not a part of that family, then you're just really kind of an outsider. Right? Um, but um, it, it, b- biblically, I think what's true is water, and we'll talk about the waters of baptism, water is thicker than blood. Those are the more enduring relationships. We're going to be in heaven together. Amen? Amen? If we're born again, if we're trusting in Jesus, if he has done this work in our hearts, we're going to be in heaven together for eternity. And those relationships are going to last well, well, well beyond our biological relationships and our kinships here in this earth. And he's done this, the end of verse 23, through the living and abiding word of God. What has caused us to be born again? Well, it says in verse 3 of chapter 1, That God has caused us to be born again, but He's done so through His Word. He's caused us to be born of imperishable seed rather than perishable seed. That imperishable seed is the Word of God. When we gather together to hear God's Word proclaimed out of the Bible, when we hear gospel preaching 
He, the moment we are saved, the moment that He redeems us, the moment that we have, have uh, trusted in Christ and been saved, it's because we have heard the gospel preached, we have heard the word preached, and He has done a work miraculously within us and changed us from what we, from we used to be dead, according to Ephesians chapter 2, and He's brought life into us. And that, that word is, is what produces the new birth within us. That's one reason why when I preach, every preacher has to follow his own convictions in the way they preach. But when I preach, I'm committed to what's called expository preaching. I'm, 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 I'm not telling a lot of stories and things like that. But I take what's in the Bible and I try to explain it and apply it. That's expository preaching. The message of the text is the message of the sermon. Because it's the Word that has the power. It's God's Word that is that imperishable seed that when implanted into our souls, brings life. Now I can tell all the emotional, heart-tugging stories, uh, and that's not going to bring life. It's God's Word that brings life. It's God's Word that brings the new birth into our hearts. Four. And here he breaks, uh, brings the comparison here. The imperishable seed versus the perishable seed. By quoting an Old Testament scripture, which is from our call to worship. All flesh is grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass that withers and the flower that falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. All flesh, our bodies, our biological relationships, it's all grass. What happens when we mow our grass? It's springtime, right? It's springtime, and I've been out on my lawnmower mowing my grass and Right? There's grass clippings all over everywhere whenever I get finished and another week goes by and you don't even notice those grass clippings because it's all compost, right? Our biological relationships in the eternal perspective are compost. <laughs> but our brother and sisterhood in Christ because of the new birth, because of the miraculous thing that he's done in our hearts, our relationships with one another as believers across, across ethnicities, across, across um, uh, socioeconomic status, across every kind of variable you can imagine, that endures forever. Finally, the very last part of verse 25. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. The gospel... The good news that was preached to us lasts forever. The good news that was preached to us, that thing that brings life into us, it's the gospel. And that gospel is the fact that, just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was raised, and that He, uh, that he was buried, that He was raised, and He was seen by 500 men at one time, by Cephas and by all the apostles. That's the gospel. Jesus 
lived a sinless life, that He was the one foretold by the prophets that was going to come. He, he is the seed of the woman. Okay? Back to Genesis chapter 3. The one who was promised He was going to come and He was going to crush the serpent's head. He is the, the blessing of Abraham. Abraham was promised He was going to have a descendant uh, he was going to have a descendant that would bless all nations. He was the son of David. Matthew tells us he was the son of David. David was promised a son who would sit on his throne forever. He is the one who was promised throughout all the Old Testament. He finally came. He lived a sinless life. He died for our sins. And by trusting in him, we can have this new birth. This is the word. This is the this word was the good news that was preached to you. Have you trusted in this word? Have you trusted in the gospel? I've been talking about our love for one another. We got to love one another, but you can't do it unless you stand in a condition where your soul's been purified. You can't do it unless you already have the new birth. Have you been born again? You can't love one another like this unless you've been born again. Have you been born again? All this talk about love sounds good, but have you been born again? Trust in the message of the gospel that Jesus has died for you. And trust in that He does something inside of you that you can't explain. He changes you from the inside out. You could be uh, uh, running as far from Him as you can, but if you turn, if you repent, if you trust in Him, He will forgive you, He'll wash you clean, and He'll adopt you into His family, and you'll start to love the people you didn't love before. We live in a hostile world. How are we going to get by? When the world is against us, we've got to have each other. We've got a new family because of what Jesus did at the cross.